I have often had this daydream that I encounter someone famous and through that encounter, my life gets completely changed. I also have that as a night dream as well. I regularly dream that I'm hanging out with Chris Pratt and The Rock. I think because I follow them on Instagram, so I spend a lot of my time dreaming that we're like hanging out, going on road trips together and stuff, which is really fun. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, I'm not really friends with them. But I also have that daydream where I'm like, I'm going to meet someone famous and they will, they will see me and they'll be like, oh, Tom, let's hang out. And I once got to meet Jackie Chan and I knew I was going to meet Jackie Chan. Do you guys know who Jackie Chan is? Yes. Great. Well, all of you except one of you do. So let's keep going. Jackie Chan, for me, I was really excited to meet him because I was like, he is one of the greatest action heroes of all time. And so I had this opportunity to get my book, my Jackie Chan book, signed by Jackie Chan. So I was in high school and I went into the city, to the Pitt Street Mall, and I lined up in the mall for like an hour. And Jackie Chan came along and sat down at the table and started signing people's books. And I moved along the line. I was just waiting for to get there. And I thought that I would hand my book over to Jackie Chan. He would look after me and be like, oh, Tom. So thank you for giving me a book. You look like a great guy. Let's go hang out. And I'm like, yeah. And he'd be like, do you like movies? Like, yeah. He's like, do you want to know how to make movies? I'd be like, yeah. I'm like, let's go learn to make movies together. I'm like, yeah, me and Jackie Chan. I was really excited. So we got there and I I got to the the front of the line and his assistant was there. So I handed the book to the assistant who opened it up and put it in front of Jackie. And I'm like, and Jackie was like, next book. And I was like, thank you. And I walked away and nothing happened. Like, no, Jackie Chan didn't even know that I was there. He didn't look at me. He just looked at my book and moved on. I was like, oh, I'm not going to get that encounter. But then I met another famous person. I made a film for my HSC because I learned how to make films. And it made it into this thing called Onstage, which is kind of like Art Express, but for drama. And it got to Onstage and I got to go and see my film screened there. And there was a guy there at Onstage who was a screenwriter whose name was Nick Enright. And he had um, written a film that won an Academy Award. And I'm like, I'm going to meet Nick Enright. And he is going to see me. And I'm be like, I made that film. And he'll be like, wow, Tom, come and hang out with me at my house. And let's learn how to make films together. I'm like, yeah, Nick Enright. And can I touch your, 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 your Academy Award? And he'll be like, yeah. You can, because we're friends. And so he showed the film, and I'm like, Nick Enright's probably loving it. I've been looking across, and he was sitting there with his eyes open. So I was like, it's going really well. And then uh, my friend took me up to him and said, Mr. Enright, this is Tom. He made the film. And he was like, good work. And then he left. I was like, oh, no, come on. And these are lame stories, because most of the time, we meet people, and they don't change our life. Most of the time, we have encounters with people, and nothing happens. But in the story that we see tonight, we see someone who has an encounter with Jesus and it changes absolutely everything. And when we have encounters with Jesus, we want our encounters with Jesus to change our life. Some of the time we can encounter Jesus and nothing happens. That we can meet Jesus, we can hear about Jesus, we can you know, know him and nothing changes. But we don't want it to be like that. We don't want to have a Jackie Chan, Nick Enright experience of Jesus We want to have a Zacchaeus and Jesus experience of Jesus. So let's look at this story. You guys have probably heard this story before, but we're going to go through it again uh, just so that we all know that we're on the same page. So it starts off and says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. So 
Jesus is getting pretty famous at this point in time. He's been healing a bunch of people. He's been doing some teaching. He's been having some fights with Pharisees and everyone knows about Jesus. And Jesus is coming to town. And so the word has kind of got around. Everyone's like, here comes Jesus. Jesus is coming. We want to see Jesus. And everyone is probably hoping to have an encounter with Jesus, to meet Jesus, that Jesus would see them and chat to them. And, and somehow they would be able to know Jesus better. And so there's this guy, Zacchaeus, who is there and he wants to meet Jesus. And this is what it says. He wanted to see Jesus, see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now Zacchaeus, as you probably know, because it said it there and because you know this story, Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And how do we feel about tax collectors? Well, how do people in Jesus' day feel about tax collectors? bad yeah we didn't we don't like tax collectors and the reason why people don't like tax collectors is one because tax collectors take your money which is obviously if you know we like money we want to hold on to it and so generally people don't like tax collectors but in jesus day they absolutely didn't like tax collectors because uh, jesus was in the country of israel and israel was being ruled over by the romans and the romans had a bunch of soldiers who were ruling over the israelites uh, in their country and that was an expensive job it's hard to rule over people it's hard to oppress people You've, it takes a lot of money and so they needed to collect taxes from people to pay for this and so they would find people to employ them to collect the taxes it would kind of be like if we got invaded by new zealand and new zealand like they saw australia and they're like look we need a bit more space and so they come over they like they jump on their sheep and they catch their sheep over and then they jump off and they oh, we're invading you. And we're like, oh, no. And then we've been taken over by the New Zealanders. And then they're like, right, this is expensive. I've really got it, the New Zealand accent. <laughs> My grandmother was a Kiwi, so you can tell them I'm a natural. And, she, and, and, they're like, and then they're like, so who wants to collect our money? <laughs> and one guy steps up, and we'll call him Bruce. And Bruce is like, yeah, I'll, take, I'll collect the money. And they're like, Joyce, Bruce, go and get the money. And like, you need to get $100. And, and Bruce is like, great, can I collect a bit more? I'm like, whatever you want, Bruce. And so Bruce comes knocking on your door and is like, hey, give me $200. And you're like, why? He's like, $100 for me, $100 for the Kiwis. How much would you hate Bruce? A lot. You would hate him a lot. One, because he took your money. Two, because he took extra for himself. And three, because he took your money, some for himself and some for the Kiwis who are oppressing you and taking your land and stopping you from being proper Australians. Well, this is how the people of Israel feel. Because here is this traitor, Zacchaeus, and they don't like him. Normally when short people are in crowds, they can make it through the crowd somehow. Like they, they squeeze their way through, they like climb through people's legs or jump on people's shoulders. Short people, they know how to get by. Short people, is that true? Yeah, you do. Yeah, see? Short people, generally, you, you are, you know, you're, you, you've, you've made life work for you, but people, it doesn't work for Zacchaeus because they know who he is. They hate him. So they're like elbowing him in the face. They're kicking him in the shins. The only way he can see Jesus is if he climbs the tree. So he climbs the tree and he's looking down and then along comes Jesus and this is what it says. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. 
Jesus has seen Zacchaeus, has picked him out of the crowd and decided, this is the person I want to spend time with. And Jesus has gone to Zacchaeus' house, presumably to have a meal with Zacchaeus. And this is a big deal, because in Jesus' day, if you ate with someone, it wasn't just like, oh, we're having a meal together, but it was a sign that you were aligning yourself with them, that you were endorsing them, you wanted to be with them. It was kind of like, you know, if you put someone in your profile pic today, like if it's you and someone else, that's a big deal. Like if you're saying, I want to be seen with this person, like, you don't share your profile picture with just about anyone. I only let my wife be in my profile pic on Facebook this year. So it's a big deal. And you don't, you don't go and just eat with anyone in Jesus' day. It shows who you want to be with. And Jesus has chosen Zacchaeus, the one person who everyone absolutely hates, and he chooses to be with him. And so everyone mutters. They're like, this is not the kind of person who Jesus should be hanging out with, but it's exactly the person who Jesus chooses to hang out with. And then Jesus' encounter with Zacchaeus changes everything for Zacchaeus. We see what happens next. It says, But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because, the, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So Zacchaeus, because of his encounter with Jesus, because Jesus spent time with him, Zacchaeus was willing to completely turn his life upside down. And he said that he's going to pay back whatever he owes people. He's going to pay back four times the amount. He's going to give away half of everything he has. This is a huge deal. Zacchaeus' life has been changed by his encounter with Jesus. And then Jesus says that famous line, which which we all probably have heard before, where he says, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And chances are, if you are here on a leadership camp, then, then the, the logical place for us to go would be like, great, to seek and to save the lost. We want to see people's lives change like Zacchaeus' life was changed. We want to see the lost found, the lost come home. We want to join with Jesus in seeking and saving the lost, which is good and true, and we should do that. We should help people encounter Jesus. But before we do that, before we as leaders go out to find other people and help them meet Jesus, we need to know that we have met Jesus ourselves, that we need to have an encounter with Jesus ourselves, which changes our lives as much as Zacchaeus' life was changed. We, We need to be people who know that we have met Jesus and has changed everything for us. So how do you know if you have met Jesus? If you look at the life of Zacchaeus, it's pretty easy to see. You can see what his life was before and what his life was like afterwards. You can see that Zacchaeus had a big, made a big difference on his life. But chances are for you guys, you guys are probably pretty good people. Like you're here on a leadership camp. You are good people. Like I don't, it's hard for me to know how much Jesus has changed my life because I know that I'm probably would without Jesus I would probably be a pretty good person like I love obeying the law I really love like doing what signs say if a sign says you know you've got to you know walk you know on along this line then I walk along this line if I've got to stay on this side of the escalator then I stay on this side of the escalator if I if my clothes say I've got to wash them at 30 degrees celsius then I wash my clothes at 30 degrees celsius I love obeying the rules I'm a good person and you guys are probably good people 
Like, I know that you are good people because you're, you're going to be here on this camp and you haven't mucked up at all. Like, you're well-behaved guys and girls. And <laughs> guys, gender, doesn't matter. All right, so you're well-behaved. And we're going to prove how well-behaved you are because later on, like tomorrow, we're going to have a leaders meeting and we're not going to supervise you. And what are you guys going to do? You're not going to set anything on fire. You're going to go and pray. I mean, you'll just set things on fire in the spiritual realm. It'll be a... Like that's what you guys are going to be doing because you are well-behaved people. So how do you know if Jesus has changed your life? Well, when we look at Zacchaeus, we see how Zacchaeus' life was changed. And his life was changed uh, not just because he, be he went from being a bad person to being a good person, but because he gave up the thing which mattered most to him. Now, we can tell what, Jesus, what Zacchaeus loved the most because we can look at his life. He obviously loved money more than anything else. He was willing to be a traitor to his country. He was willing to have his family and his friends and his community turn their back on him so that he could be rich. And because of his encounter with Jesus, because he met Jesus, that meant that his life was changed and he was willing to leave the thing he loved the most so he could follow Jesus. It showed that Jesus was, became even more important to him. Honoring God was even more important to him than even money which he loved. So the question for you is not, are you a good person? But has your life been changed so that Jesus becomes the most important thing for you? Are you willing to pay the cost of following Jesus that you would even give up the thing that you love the most? That you would say, the only thing that I want my life to be about is Jesus and everything else that gets in the way I will leave behind. When I was a, a boy, uh, my mom had this thing where there were some things that she liked and some things that she didn't like, and anything that she didn't like, I liked. Uh, and like, so she was like this person who hated guns. She still hates guns. And she refused to buy me toy guns, which meant that whenever I got pocket money, I saved it up and I went and bought toy guns because I was like, hey, and this is a chance to experience something that I was not, and my mom doesn't want me experiencing. Like I, I wasn't, I was allowed to buy them because I would have obeyed the rules because I love obeying the rules. But if I could do it, I would. I would go as far, as close to, you know, dangerousness as I could while being well behaved. The other thing my mom, my mom didn't like was television. Um, my parents would keep our TV in a cupboard at home for almost our entire life, uh, except for when the Olympics were on and then we could watch Zach. But the rest of the time, uh, the TV was in the cupboard. And so which meant that I loved TV. I was obsessed with TV. I always went to, to you know, the library and got books out about how television is made. I got my dad to drive me around to TV stations to go and visit them and get stickers from TV stations. And then there was one other thing which she really didn't like, and that was Coke. She refused to buy me Coke, which meant that my favorite drink was Coke. Water. It was kind of water because most of Coke is water and a little bit of sugar. And so was Coke. I love Coke. And whenever I got the chance to drink Coke, I would get it and I would drink it. I would go to the library and hire, get books not just about television, but also about Coke. I knew the history of Coke. I knew it was, when it was invented, where it was invented, who invented it. I would write to the Coca-Cola company and they would send me stuff about Coke. I loved Coke. And then I started getting a Coke collection. I collected bottles from around the world and towels and stickers. And then I got to this point when I was in year seven, I had this thing in the corner of my room which just had all this Coke 
like right there. And there was right in the middle, the center was a golden Coke bottle, which I had saved up for for weeks. And then I went to the shop to buy this golden Coke bottle and it sat there in a special plastic case. And the only time you're allowed to touch it was with gloves on because it was that special. And then one day I was sitting there in my room and I was looking at it. I was like, oh, wow, what a great Coke collection. That's beautiful. Oh, it's lovely. And then I thought to myself, hold on a tick. I'm a Christian, but I have a shrine to Coke in my room. And I have nothing about Jesus in my room except my Bible on the floor there, which is getting dusty. But the Coke, if, if you're trying to work out what I loved the most, it would be Coke, which is absurd. Like, why would you love Coke more than other things? Like, I'm not going to die and go to heaven and there'll be a big Coke bottle like, oh, welcome, good and faithful servant. <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. So I decided, I was like, I've got to get rid of my Coke because this is an idol for me. It's an absurd idol, but it's an idol. So I, I packed it all up and I put it away and I decided that I needed to change my life because Coke had become an idol. But we can have things, like things which are idols for us, which aren't as dumb as Coke. Um, we can have things like our friends can be our idol, our family can be our idol, or academic success or sporting success. I know for me, one of my idols is comfort. Like, I just love being comfortable. That if I have to choose between obeying Jesus and sitting on the couch, the couch can often win. Like, so, there are things that we love in life, and we need to know about those things and say, will we choose them or will we choose Jesus? Because following Jesus will cost us. And this is where courage comes in. Because if you have the courage to live differently, then it's going to cost you. If you have the courage to turn your back on the things you love the most for Jesus, then you have to say, what's going to save me is not those things, but Jesus. What's going to make me happy is not my friends or my family or my money or my success, but Jesus. Jesus has to be first, and that is dangerous. That is scary. And it takes courage to say, I will live for Jesus. And you might be sitting there going, yeah, well, I want this. I really want this. How, how do I get it? How do I get my life to be changed by Jesus? Well, the thing is, the way that you are changed by Jesus is by meeting with Jesus. The way that Zacchaeus was changed was that he had an encounter with Jesus. The way you and I can be changed is by spending time with Jesus. That's how we are changed. It's, it's not, you know, rocket science. The more we spend time with Jesus, the more he changes us. And so does your life reflect someone who has a relationship with Jesus? You know, if you were to ask me about my relationship with my wife, and I'll say to you, oh, I know all about her. He would say, okay, tell me about her. I'll say, well, my wife, her name is Emily. She was born in 1989 in Sydney, and she... Uh, she grew up on the northern beaches and she has a few degrees and now she's studying law at Melbourne Uni. You'd be like, great, okay, look, you gave me some facts about Emily, but do you have a good relationship with her? Tell me about your relationship, how, how are things going there? And if I said to you, well, look, okay, I know about her, but also I spend some time with her. Like I see her, I see her on Sundays, once a week, as long as I don't have other work that I need to do or there's not something more interesting, I see, I see her. And sometimes, you know, I, at night, just before I fall asleep, I send her a text. I'm like, Emily, you're pretty good. Thanks very much. 
And then I say, oh, and, and she's written me a lot of emails, which I've got, and I've printed them out. And, uh, and if I want to know how she feels about me, then I just kind of open them up, and I look for one, and then I put my finger on a spot of the email, and then I read it, and it says, and it says there, oh, and I went to the shops. And then I know that that's what she has to say to me today, that she went to the shops. And I'm like, great, I've got a great relationship with Emily. If I told you that about my relationship with my wife, you'll be like, you are insane. That is a terrible relationship. You know some facts about her. You spend a very little time with her. You send her sleepy texts and you read her messages like they're a magic, like, book. Magic uh, recipe? I don't know. I've... <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think of the word before I started that sentence. Anyway, and, and if I treated my wife like that, you'd be like, that's not how you do it. But we treat Jesus like that. That we spend a little bit of time with him if we've got nothing better on. And we pray to him a little bit before we fall asleep at night. And we use the Bible like it's just kind of some kind of magical book that we can stick our finger in at the right point and then we'll learn something. But that's not going to work. You're not going to be changed by Jesus like that. Now, we can't spend time by Jesus by going to his house and knocking on his door and saying, let's hang out. But he's given us ways to spend time with him. That we spend time with him when we're at church with our friends who are Christians. We spend time with Jesus when we're at school in our lunchtime Christian group, when we're gathering together as God's people. We spend time with Jesus when we're, when we're praying and speaking to him. And we're able to do that because of his Holy Spirit who lives in us. We spend time with Jesus when we are reading his word and we're reading it like it was meant to be read. Because that is where he speaks to us. If we want to be changed by Jesus, we've got to spend time with Jesus. The same way when you spend time with your friends, you start to pick up phrases like them and start to like the same jokes as them and start to watch the same TV shows again. You become like your friends. You'll become more like Jesus the more you spend time with him. If you want to be changed by Jesus, you've got to spend time with Jesus. And so we become people then who can live a changed life, who live differently, who repent of our sins, who turn away from the things that we used to do, who love Jesus more than anything else because we are committed to Him and spending time with Him and letting Him challenge us and change us. If you want to be a Christian leader, if you want to go out and join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost, if you want your school to be different, if you want to go back to your crew group and make a difference, then the first thing that has to happen is you have to meet with Jesus and he has to change you. Christian leadership is not about good people helping other people to become good. Christian leadership is about people who have met Jesus helping other people meet Jesus. Christian leadership is about people who have been changed by Jesus helping other people be changed by Jesus. Before you can introduce other people to Jesus, You've got to know him yourself. So that's my challenge to you tonight. Will you meet with Jesus and will you let him change you? Will you meet with him again and again and again and again so that you might be someone who's changed, who knows that you are loved by Jesus? And the last thing I want to say is this. The more that you know Jesus, the more time you spend with him, the more you will see how good he is the more you will discover what it means that God himself came to us as a man. The more you will discover what it means that God came to seek and save you. The more you will discover what it means that, that because of your sin, Jesus died for you. 
the more you will discover how deep your sin is and how great God's love is. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you will know him and the more he will change you because you see the beauty of who he is. Will you commit yourself to that? Will you commit yourself to being someone who knows Jesus, who loves Jesus, and goes out and helps other people to know and love Jesus too because of how you have encountered him? I'm going to say a prayer for us. Father God, we thank you uh, that you sent your son Jesus, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I thank you that we were lost, but you found us in your son Jesus. I pray that we will not take this lightly, that we will not be people who just know facts about Jesus, that we will not be people who just spend time here and there with Jesus, but that we will be changed by him, that we'll have the courage to live differently, live lives that are in continual repentance, live lives that give up what is most important to us for Jesus, who is even better than the most precious thing here on earth. I pray that we will be people who are changed by Jesus so that we might show other people the Jesus who changes us. Amen.